Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. Content warning, our discussion of this movie is going to include uh, talk about sexual assault, about suicide, and about other very sensitive topics. So just be prepared or maybe skip this one. And content warning about the movie itself. There is a lot of sex in the movie and a lot of sexual assault in the movie. Yes. So be aware that it's that kind of movie, not our usual teenagers being sliced up in the woods. Yes. Today's movie is called The Skin I Live In. At least in English it is because the movie is in Spanish. Yes. And it is about the skins that we all live in. Is it? Yes. So we're just going to dive right in? No, we're going to dive into a summary. Okay. Here's the non-spoiler summary of the movie. Okay. This is a story about a guy who has a woman locked up at his house, and he is giving her magic skin that is invulnerable. But it's not really. It's semi... It's a little tougher than normal skin, really, is all it is. And uh, well, the story of what's going on there. Why? And who is he? Who is she? What's happening? Yeah. And a significant number of my notes for that first part of the movie were, what in God's green earth is going on? Like, I could <laughs> not put all the pieces together. Like, you get... It's, you, it's dribbed and drabbed. Yeah, you get... You get, oh, he's got this girl. She's locked in this room. Interesting. Oh, he has a different room where he watches her through a big, obviously one-way mirror thing. That was interesting. And then he's, like, giving all these lectures on how he helps burn victims because he, you know, is a yeah, scientist and a surgeon. Fake skin for people. Well, not fake. Making new skin for people. Right. And then he has this disagreement with his boss about the ethics of the research that he's doing. So then I'm like, oh, okay. I'm starting to, I think I understand. Like he's using this woman as a human guinea pig. Yes. And he was. Yeah, but that was not what the movie was about. It was not. <laughs> it was totally irrelevant. And I do want to say, as our non-spoiler portion of the review continues, that the whole business about this magic skin is completely irrelevant to the movie. Could have been cut out. Has nothing to do with the movie at all. And I don't even know why they put it in there like as a side note. It's just a weird distraction. I think it was just, it was meant to give you something to think about while you were getting the necessary background information, um, and there was some character and world development happening, but they didn't want to delve into the real issue of the movie yet. Yeah. So what I thought this movie was going to be, from the bit, you know, the little synopsis I had read, was he's got this woman, he's giving her invulnerable skin, I think is what I was told, or something to that effect. 
And Which just means mosquitoes are less interested <laughs> in it. <laughs> yeah. But it sounded like it made her immune to harm. Right. And so, like, he's got her locked up and he's forcing her to get this skin. And so I figured she was going to go on a rampage and not be killable. Like, that's the movie I thought we were in for. Uh-huh. That's not what we were in for. That was not the movie. And that is why I have to warn our listeners that... If you have any interest in seeing this Antonio Banderas movie, you should watch it before listening further because there is a huge twist in the middle of this movie and we have to talk about past the twist because that's like the whole movie and it will ruin the movie for you that we talk about it. Right. This is one of those movies where you want to experience it yourself if you plan on watching it. Knowing the secrets of the movie is going to lessen the enjoyment of it and if you hear little noises in the background it's because our kitties are playing in our podcast studio yay for the first time ever i know it's so exciting in a more spoiler form of a summary of this movie this is the story of a plastic surgeon whose daughter is sexually assaulted who then tracks down the man who assaulted her kidnaps him keeps him for an extended period of time. Years. Years. And during that time, slowly transforms him into a woman as a form of retribution. And then falls in love with him. Yeah, I guess. In part because he didn't just turn him into a woman. He also modified his face to make him look like the plastic surgeon's dead wife. Wife. Yes. His wife, who he had been madly in love with, had fallen in love with his, unbeknownst to him, half-brother, <laughs> who had come to stay at the house, and then run off with him, and they had gotten into a fiery car crash. She was covered in burns. He was trying to save her. When she discovered what she looked like, she threw herself out a window True. in front of their daughter, who was then traumatized. I remember now. Yes. And because of that trauma, was hospitalized, was sent out to socialize with others as part of her treatment, at which point she was sexually assaulted, which starts out the whole, like, it all wraps around. Yeah. I think we, we could have done that chronologically. If you guys knew all the parts cut out of this, <laughs> the number this of is times, so difficult. The number of times we try to explain <laughs> how this movie goes, what what is happening in this movie... Yeah, it was intense. And after all that stuff, the woman, now Vera, formerly Vincent, and gender-wise, this is a tough one to unravel. I'm going to consistently call, during the second half of the movie, for the parts where we know what's going on, I'm going to call him Vincent. Because he did not choose to change to a woman. like. It, Internally, he is still And that makes male. sense. But it also seems like by the end, he has accepted it. And he's like, this is my life now, which is also strange. That's interesting. And I think we're going to talk about that later. Interesting. That's part, of, that's part of what I want to talk about. Yeah. So this is complicated and difficult. Yeah. But the movie ends with him getting revenge on Dr. Banderas. <laughs> and, Not his actual name in the movie. And escaping and getting back to his old life and seeing his family again and going, oh, crap, it's me. Yeah. It it's had a surprisingly happy ending. That was the note I took was like, yay, the rapist is free. Like, uh, yeah. It, I mean, what was done to him was horrific. 
but also, what's so great about this guy? Yeah. I do feel like part of the point of the movie was that now he understands what he did in a so way that... good job, Antonio. <laughs> right? In a way that, that a lot of men cannot ever fully understand what it's like to be raped as a woman. Because... That never happens to them. And in this case, it does happen to him. Yeah. So, I mean, it is. it is. It's a very morally complex movie because there are lots of bad things being done by people who also at other times have good intent or are doing good things or are learning lessons. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's very complex. Yeah. I ended the movie because of all those complexities, really not sure how I felt about it all. Yeah. Which I think is the sign of a good, maybe good's not the right word. I think is the sign of an interesting story. Yeah. It makes you think. It does, make, it you does think. make you think. It does make you think. And it does make you think about like bigger questions that you might otherwise not think about. I mean, I think that's important. Now, on that note, there was something I found in this movie that I'm trying to decide just how artistic it is, because it clearly is supposed to be artistic, but then I'm thinking about, is it really... It's kind of stupid. Which is, there are like 5,000 shots in this movie that reference skin in some way. So it's symbolic in the sense that this is all... You know, this movie is about the skins that we live in. And that's great. It's doing a thing. But then just these surface level skin references, like like when uh, Vincent is setting up the mannequin in the store and it's, mm. you know, he's dealing with the skin of the mannequin and some weird ones too, like uh, Dr. Banderas is doing a bonsai tree, but instead of cutting it, he's actually wrapping like wire or something around the thing, giving it a skin. And it's just a weird random thing he's doing and stuff like that. So it's just things that make you think about the concept of skin or the term skin, which is artistic, but is also really very surface, you know? This, these aren't metaphorical skins, they're just skins. Yeah. So I don't know how to feel about that. So the bonsai piece I found particularly interesting hmm. because... <laughs> so we're watching Cobra Kai, right? We are. And does not have a ton of bonsai in it, but it mentions it a couple times because that's yeah. a big part of, of Daniel's childhood and... With Mr. Miyagi. All the lessons that he learned and everything. Yeah. In that, we see, you know, he's talking about how, you know, you look at the bonsai and you imagine how you want it to look and you trim away the parts that aren't what you want, right? Very interesting. But I it, see. But it's much more about subtle encouragement for, you know, you, you yeah. stop it from growing in certain places and you allow it to grow in other places. Whereas what... Dr. Banderas was doing with his bonsai was forcibly making them grow in certain ways by wrapping wire around the branches. That's that's some good deep stuff that I was not thinking about. Which then mirrors how he, like as he changed uh, Vincente into Vera, it was, you know, like, like he made him wear a whole body stocking. And he even says in the movie, like, this is going to, to mold you into the proper shape. Like yeah. he wasn't just about creating 
new skin for people. He was about creating skin that would force them into the shape he wanted them to be and then having that power to be able to do that. Yeah. Maybe you can do that same detailed analysis for the other thousand shots of skin in the movie and maybe they all (laughs) have this kind of deep angle to it and it's not just a bunch of skin. Yeah, I don't know. That one was just one that I, when when I saw it, that thought came to me while we were watching the movie. I don't know about the other things. Yeah. Well, another one that comes up and this is, this one is more metaphorical is uh, Zika is actually Dr. Banderas's brother. Uh, We find Mm. out later Mm -hmm. and he shows up first time in the movie well the only time we ever see him but he is in a tiger suit it looks ridiculous he's just like walking across the street dressed as a tiger with a tail and everything and that's the skin he lives in well he is dressed as a tiger both obviously because it is carnival and you know so that people are in costume but also because he has committed a crime and the police are looking for him. So the only way he can be out in public is by disguising himself. And so it is the skin he must live in. Yes. Which is significant. That's Yes. He feels he has to adopt this skin in order to survive in this scenario, which is a, an interesting element. And he says he chose it because he wanted his mother to think about him as a child. Because she clearly is struggling with him. Like, they don't have a good relationship. He's not a good guy. No, he's Um, really not. No, he's terrible. So he is manipulating her by wearing a costume he wore as a child to try to get her to think about him in a maternal way. Yeah. And on the flip side, it's a costume of a very like aggressive predatory animal and he is very aggressive and very predatory as soon as he sees what he believes is a beautiful vulnerable woman that he has already had an affair with and run off with and then left to die in a burning car yeah. in the past. And he's like, "Wow, he really fixed up your burns nicely." Yeah. Which kind of I think that's sort of a mislead that we're supposed to think that's who this is at that point. Yeah, I never at any point thought that. <laughs> no, it That's didn't seem like it. That didn't stick. So, yeah, like that tiger costume plays in a lot of different ways. Yeah. While we're speaking about Marilia and her children, both of whom are terrible people, that reminded me yeah, of the bad seed. And she even says something about like her. Yeah. Oh, she said something. It translated funny. I was like, oh, I don't think that's what it really. I don't think that's how she's really saying it. It was something about how she brought forth bad life, like the children she made yeah. were, were toxic. But it, the way it, it, like it used the word intestines in some way, and I'm like, I, yeah. mm, I think that was a mistranslation somehow. But it made me think of the bad seed and that whole question of you know nature versus nurture. And this, yeah. this too, like the bad seed, was suggesting that there is some significant like genetic component to badness. Yeah, I mean they were. They were both bad. They were bad in different ways, so it kind of feels anti-genetic. Perhaps. But they had been raised in different ways. True. Because the one had been like a street kid, and the other one was the product of her own sexual assault. Yeah. Or at the very least, inappropriate power dynamic relationship with the, you know, wealthy man she housekept for. Yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. When he's doing his TED talk about how great his skin is, his magic skin that protects you from malaria. Yes. 
he talks about it. It's not actually during the talk, but later when he's talking to other scientists, he's like, it's amazing. It will be the ultimate protection against malaria. And I'm like, yeah, just instead of spraying some deep, just replace all of your skin. You'll be all set. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely... This movie made the suggestion that taking <laughs> off someone's skin and putting new skin on was, was a, a simple task. Yeah, it's not a big deal. And that it could just be done in in chunks. Yeah, those little patches. We saw the lines. And then later he's like, oh, those lines will go away. I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> He's a no, plastic surgeon. He can fix scars. I mean, they might go away <laughs> a little bit, but he's still always going to look like he was stitched together like a Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah. Well, and that brings to mind what this movie seemed like it was doing, but never did, which was like a Frankenstein story. Like, mm-hmm. he was building this monster, mm-hmm. which was my original thought on what the movie was going to be, was that she, in the original version of the movie, it was she, was going to be this monster and have to deal with that. But it really didn't go there. But no, it really didn't. And I'm not sure if this movie takes a stand in many of the multiple issues that it brings up. It's very much presenting, here are things that can happen, here are complex characters that have, they do bad things, but here are also the reasons why they're doing these bad things, reasons that at least some people are going to find relatable. Mm-hmm. And it never is super clear as to, like, this is a good guy, this is a bad guy. You know, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make that decision for you. It is very open-ended in terms of, did things go well? Did things get resolved? I mean, it's like, this is what happened. You decide how you feel about it. Yes, I think that is very much what they were trying to do. Which, often, when storytellers do that, I get annoyed. Yeah. Because I feel like that's sort of cheating. Like, like you, if you're going to bring up big issues, you have to pick a side. You have to be willing to take a stand one way or the other and commit to something. It feels like trying to have your cake and eat it too if sure. you don't. In this case, it didn't bother me. And that may be because the questions that they're asking are questions that I don't know how I feel either. Like, I don't know exactly where I land. So it's... Because <laughs> they're all bad people. Right. But they also do a really good job of demonstrating how not bad people can do bad things or can make bad choices. You know, mm-hmm. normal people. I really, I, I think in particular, I'm talking about Vincente because he wasn't a great person. He didn't make great choices around drug use, around a lot of things. His inability to recognize that there was no consent really happening there was problematic I believe that had he been more aware, he wouldn't have done what he did. Hmm. You know, I, he put himself in a situation where he wasn't paying attention and he, he did a terrible thing and he definitely needed to be held accountable for it. I don't think held accountable includes being kidnapped, no. held in a basement, and then having an involuntary uh, sexual reassignment surgery. Like, I don't think the punishment was proportional to the crime. No, no, I don't either. But it's, uh, it's, a, it's a mess of a bunch of terrible people doing things. And probably, yeah, Dr. Banderas is the most horrifying monster of them all. Yes. 
which is part of the fun is the beginning of the movie has him as sort of he's he's no hero but he's like he's the protagonist and you're like oh what's going on why is this woman locked up here and not locked up like in chains she was she was not free to go anywhere but she seemed initially kind of like it's for her own good kind of a thing almost for a while it seemed that way and then it kind of transitioned to she was resigned to it which yeah. is not great. I, you know, that is not an okay situation either. She was in this large, clean, sunny room with lots of things to do, books and, you know, whatnot. It made it seem like maybe it was not a terrible thing. It certainly didn't seem like the terrible thing it ended up to be. Yeah. Then in the latter half of the movie, or not entirely due to the time shifts, we've got Dr. Banderas saving her from another rape and that leads to her being given more freedom like oh hey everything's cool you won't go anywhere now we're all on board with each other and she's like hey i'm totally into you just like you're into me this is great and pretending that kind of thing in order to get a chance to get the upper hand and it's that's cool that's well and i said earlier i wanted to talk about that piece of it That is definitely what was going on. He was pretending to be okay with the situation. He he was pretending to be Stockholm syndromed into being happy in this new life that he had been given as Vero. That piece of it was the story of somebody, of a person doing whatever they have to do to survive. Yeah. And... There's something particularly tragic and heroic about that. And so, you know, it makes it easy to forget that Vincente had done things to instigate this whole situation. Another complex issue that this movie is presenting... We do not have enough of those. Please pile on. (laughs) ...is the idea of sex reassignment surgery... Or gender-affirming surgery, which in this case, it was not. It was certainly not. And that's part of it, is he faked forms to get his team of surgeons in there. He's like, there's the forms, patient's already unconscious, get to work. Right. And and later, the doctor who assisted him in that surgery saw the Vincente's picture as, you know, this guy is missing. We yeah. don't know where he went and was like, um, hold on now, what did we do? So it brings this issue up. It doesn't even really ask a question about it. It's just, this is a thing. And at first I was worried that it was presenting a side or it was, you know, it was was misrepresenting sex reassignment surgery in some way or that it was going to take a stand and it was going to be a a stand that I disagreed with, you know, that, oh, look, see, this is a bad thing. And it didn't do that. No, it didn't. I mean, he used it wrongly as a weapon. But uh, I mean, they even, you know, made it clear that he had consent, even though it was fake. And, you know, this idea that if somebody wants to do this, that's fine. And, you know, he had this whole idea of this explanation of what Vincent was actually doing and why he was missing. He had gone off to L.A. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was treated like 
their job. It's what they do for people. Right. And I think that that was really important to me, that this wasn't a movie that had sex reassignment surgery as a, you know, quirky element. It wasn't horrifying that piece of it. You know, that's a thing. That's a thing that is useful for people who need that kind of surgery. And the underlying idea was that the acceptance of it. What was horrifying in this story was somebody using that surgery inappropriately. Yeah. And it was very clear that he was using it inappropriately. Yeah, it was pretty clear when his patient was chained up to the walls of his basement. Yeah. Yes. But like the movie didn't try to, you know, justify that or make it okay or anything. That was just horror. Yeah. Well, what it felt like was something like, I mean, the, the one that comes to mind is something nobody's ever heard of, Tusk, the Kevin Smith movie. Mm. You know, this uh, the mad doctor who transforms you into a monster. In this case, the monster is a woman. But, you know, they're forcibly converting you against your will. And it, mm -hmm. it's that same exact kind of story where it's just like needless surgery and the horrors of being subjected to it. Right. But it, it doesn't, at least in my mind, and granted my perspective is one of someone who has not needed this kind of surgery, <laughs> but, but from my perspective, it did not demonize the surgery itself. It demonized the character and how they, what they were doing with the surgery. Definitely. So at the end, Vincente in Vera's body kills Dr. Banderas, kills Marilia, who is mad that now this woman has caused both of her sons, this woman in her mind, <laughs> yeah. has caused both of her sons to die. So Vincente kills the people holding him captive, gets himself free, goes back to his mother's clothing store, dress shop, and is able to convince them, like, like it's clear that they are going to know that who he is, despite what's happened. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, good, good. This is good for him. You know, I, I think he has learned his lesson, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think um, so. <laughs> so I was okay with, with him being able to have a little bit of a happy ending or some, some closure there. Until I realized that part of his happy ending was that the lesbian who works in his mother's dress shop who he had a crush on and was always trying to convince to date him when he was in a man's body yeah that now part of his happy ending is that he's in a body that she finds attractive we can assume we're assuming and that now he's going to get to have some kind of closure to that relationship yeah that was a that was a weird choice i think yeah i think the reason that didn't work for me was that it suggests that this lesbian that her attractions are so shallow she didn't have a whole personality she didn't have a whole set of things that she was attracted to and put off by. You know, it couldn't possibly have been his personality. Yeah, the pushy horribleness. Along with the fact that she wasn't attracted to his body. No, now that he's in a beautiful woman's body, everything is fine and, and she'll be okay with him hitting on her now. And then he gets to have what he wants and she is just a shell of a person, basically. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where it's going, but there's no, there's no evidence of that. Like she doesn't go, oh, hey, I'm into you now. There's no, there's no, no. actual romantic connection made at all, but it's, it's suggested because there's a whole thing about 
address that that he had tried to get her and she was like why don't you put it on and Mm -hmm. now he has it on yeah so it it kind of lost me there in like the last four minutes of the movie yeah i understand but aside from that i don't know i was surprised at how how almost sensitive it seemed in dealing with a lot of these issues while also not pulling any punches at all like this was a gruesome, horrifying story in yeah. in that sense that you were talking about before of like loss of personal control and autonomy. Yeah, yeah it was in it's not gruesome. Like visually there's very little gore of any kind, which there could have been. No, in fact, it was the opposite. It was actually probably one of the prettier movies that we've seen. Yeah. Like there was a lot of grandiose artwork in Dr. Banderas' weird artwork house. I mean, it made sense if he, you know, his his thing is skin, so he had a lot sure of is. pictures of skin. Uh, <laughs> I, that sounds grosser than it is. It was it was a lot of naked women. Paintings and naked women. Yes. Fancy art. Yeah. And there was, you know, it was a very artistically shot movie. There were a lot of very stark images mm-hmm. and clearly significant thought had gone into the imagery and the visuals of this movie. Ratings. I find this movie difficult to talk about. Very tricky subject matter. And hard to tell how I feel about it. It's full of these bad characters suffering bad fates. And actually, really, everybody just had only bad fates, except yeah. at the very end. So... I don't know. It was artistic. I will just go ahead and give it three and a half toe socks out of five. Okay. It was well done, but it's it's not a movie for me. I mean, I generally don't like the whole medical horror thing, like I the, being trapped and forced into chains. That's that's upsetting. So makes you uncomfortable. Yes, it does. <laughs> so, what do you think? I also found this movie challenging to talk about in the sense that these are very sensitive subjects that I don't have a lot of personal experience with. So I'm very aware that it's easy for me to say things that could be come across as insensitive or I could be misunderstanding things, making assumptions. So I, I always worry a little bit about that piece of it. But I really enjoyed having those questions presented to me. And I was very pleased, particularly given some of the previous movies we've watched where (laughs) sensitive topics have not been handled in a sensitive manner. No, they haven't. I really appreciated the almost elegance with which they piled like (laughs) complex issue on top of complex issue in a way that did not come across as dismissive of anybody's feelings or disrespectful of anything. I, I'm i kind of mind-boggled that they managed to do it as well as they did. Also, I feel like I have had some preconceived notions about Antonio Banderas. Like, I had it in my head that I didn't really like him for some reason, that he mm. was problematic. That might still be true. I mean, yeah, but he managed to... I mean, he was a very problematic character <laughs> in this movie. Very. But I really, like... I don't know. There there was so much elegance. That's the word I keep coming back to in how this movie was done. I liked the acting. I liked the 
artistic visuals of it. There were a couple times, like when things really got intense, there was some very creepy violin music that came in that, a lot of that. that I liked. It was very traditional horror sort of thing. It, it, it made it almost feel older than it was. Like it's, it seemed yeah. like something out of the 50s. With this, like, like he was Vincent Price. Yes, like this this screaming violin. <laughs> but I liked it. I liked what it did. So I am going to rate this movie a full point higher than you and give it four and a half toe socks out of five. Wow. Because I really appreciate the willingness to address complicated issues and the fact that they managed to do it in a way that didn't leave me feeling gross about having watched the movie. Yeah, I think they did. This is the kind of movie that if you enjoy... American Poltergeist? <laughs> no. Oh. No. No. <laughs> no, if you enjoy mulling over deep questions that probably don't have answers... Or you like having these grappling kinds of conversations with groups of friends about... Over wine. Issues. Yes. Like, <laughs> I can see a bunch of really artsy, educated hipsters sitting around drinking their fancy hipster drinks and talking about this movie at length. Yeah. And I, and I can sure. see myself enjoying being a part of that, which often I would not. But this, I would enjoy talking about this movie at length. I have, in fact, enjoyed talking about this movie I enjoy at talking about all of these movies at <laughs> length with you. Yeah. So that's that. What are we going to watch next? Speaking of sensitive issues yes. that are important and worth, hipsters will talk about them for hours yes. over their giant mochas, <laughs> tomorrow's movie is entitled Uncle Sam from 1996. And, uh, I mean, it deals with difficult issues like post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, yeah. And so forth. Patriotism versus jingoism. So I'm kind of imagining that this one... when, When we looked this movie up, I said, we have to watch this movie. Yeah. And I'm not sure what's going to happen when we watch it because I'm pretty sure that my brain has decided this is going to be like a Team America kind of movie. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I think I'm in for a shock. <laughs> yeah, it should be fun. Question. Foot socks? Did you mean toe socks? Yeah. Because all socks, socks are for feet. <laughs> Three and a half foot. <laughs> Those weird special socks that you put on your feet.